the last time I was here, I did kind of give a story just kind of to uh, challenge and to, you know, give you guys some wisdom about what not to do. Because, you know, the Bible is full of that, right? It gives you an example. That's what Paul says, to be an example. Um, and just to recap, since some of you weren't here, I am 29 years old. will be 30 um, in November. And I have three boys back there, as you can see. Those are my three children, Ezekiel, the youngest, Nehemiah, the middle, and Christian with the dreads. Um, and I also have a daughter who is not here, but she will be 13 in uh, November. So if you do the math, 30 and 13 gives you what? Wow, it's back to school time. 17? Yeah, there you go. So obviously I was a, a, a statistic. I was a you know, teenage pregnancy, you know, type of person. And I came out and I shared about how it was a challenge to give in to peer pressure and to, uh, even though I went to Christian school and I had Christian influence that it wasn't being modeled at home with not having a Christian parents and uh, how the peer pressure led me down these roads. And I was giving you guys statistics on how, you know, having inappropriate relationships uh, before marriage have the statistics for divorce and for diseases and for heartache and and that was kind of what I, I left it at and I just left it with a challenge to you know that God created us to have relationships but they have purpose you know that in the garden of Eden he made man and woman and he made them to be together one man for one woman for all time and I, I kind of left it at that and so I'm here again to give you the other half of the story which is the better half which is what happens when you yield a life to Christ no matter how broken no matter how displaced or discouraged you can be, what happens you yield life to Christ. And I don't even have to, I'm going to give you a couple Bible passages just from my heart, from what I am, because I'm more just going to speak to you just on my experience and just let my life kind of preach to you. Is that okay? So basically, this is what happened. After I made the decision to obviously do the right thing, which is, you know, we were we were contemplating adoption, and uh, of course people were putting in the the you know the abortion term in in our minds as well. But luckily I had a good set of parents who were like, you know what, you have to man up. You know, like you make your bed hard, you lie in it. And I had a dad who, like I said, was not a believer, but he was a firm believer in you do what you do. You 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 call a spade a spade. You look a man in the eye, and he said you need to go through this. You know, this is not the end of your, your world. You, you'll graduate high school, you'll go to college, you'll, but you have to just give up things. So what happened is, for me, is it was a sacrifice. As, as I told you guys last time, it was the immediate rejection for the friends. You know, if you have friends in your life right now who are pressuring you to do things that you know are not right, and if it's cool to do those things, I want to give you this one word of caution. When you get busted, you will get busted by yourself. When you get busted, you will do the time, whatever that is, by yourself. And you will find out that more oftentimes than not, you will be alone after you've done that because they've moved on. So consider this. If you have friends who are pressuring you to do things that you know are not right, you, have, you are the only one responsible for your life. And what my dad told me was, hey, it's not your friend's fault. It's not anybody's fault. You made this choice. Now this is the decision. This is the, the direction life has to go. So I, uh, I was a junior because my birthday is late, so I was already older, the oldest in my class, and I didn't want to wait another year, so I decided to get my GED. And so anybody who tells you that it's just a good enough diploma, they need to do their research. It's harder than getting your regular degree because you have to study things. 
You have to be more wise in other subject matters. So I did that, and that was cool, and I went to college. And so I had to go to junior college because I didn't take my ACT. So that left me a few options, but I went to a junior college, went to JUCO for a semester. Things were very tight. It was really tough. I was working a job and giving all my money to support my, my daughter, and it was stressful. I mean, my friends had deserted me. Even my mom had changed her relationship, you know, because my, my parents divorced at, that, at this time, and so my mom was really disappointed with me to the point where she wouldn't speak. So imagine that, you know. Here you are, 17 years old, have a new child. I mean, you're still trying to realize how to drive appropriately, you know, and, uh, right? <laughs> um, and here you are now, a freshman in college with all your friends gone, and so there were so many more temptations. So I, I got fed up, and I was like, you know what, I need to go as far away as I can. So I went into Joliet Junior College, I went up to the, uh, if you've ever been in there, you know it has like a career advisement transfer center thing. I walked in there and I was looking, I want to go to the furthest place I can go. The furthest school they had was Arizona. So I picked up the map, I looked at it, and I said, I'm going to Arizona. So I went and applied to Central Arizona College. I went out there. I spent two years getting a communications degree. And I, at that point, it was nice because I was, I was 1,750 miles away from here because I grew up right across the tr tracks over there. And it was free, you know. I was my problems were here. I didn't. I didn't have my daughter was not with me. Uh, my daughter's mother was not there. Her family wasn't there, putting pressure on me. I was finally free, but I wasn't really free because in that in those two years time, I just I did everything, you know. I I, I want to recapture that maybe two years that I lost, and so I was out partying all the time, um, you know. Uh, first got got drunk. Let me give you another tidbit. That's ridiculous. Don't ever drink. First of all, it's nasty. Okay? All you guys know it's nasty. T go home, take some rubbing alcohol, put it in your mouth. It's just... So don't do it. Just don't even waste your time. Then second of all, who wants to be sick? Who likes being sick? Nobody does. Nobody's being sick. Then I guess none of you guys will ever be drunk or have a hangover. That's what it gets you, right? It gets you sick. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. Don't, don't mess around with, with marijuana. It gets you kicked out of college. It's an offense. But this is what's out there. So I get out there, I go to school, and I'm finding that all these things are not cool. Like, the partying, it's not cool. Being away from home is not cool. And when I'm out there, this is a true story. This is where it starts getting good. Campus Crusade for Christ, who knows who they are? Awesome. Campus Crusade for Christ is a Christian ministry that goes on to secular colleges and tries to set up Bible studies, and they try to... Uh, uh, recruit people and give the Lord, give the the gospel of Jesus to their to their to their student body. And so one day I'm walking home, my second year, getting ready to go back here, and I was totally fed up. I said, I'm never going to Arizona again. And Grand Canyon University, which is a Christian college, was there, and Campus Crusade for Christ was handing out books. They said, Hey, stop by, get a free T-shirt. So I'm like, Cool, I'll get a free T-shirt. They handed out more than a carpenter which is a story about Jesus. It's a small little book. I would suggest you read it. If you have friends who are looking for Christ, I would get it. It talks about either Jesus was a liar, lunatic, or savior. That's basically what the premise is. More than a carpenter, really good book. They handed it to me, and they said, why don't you fill out this application? So it was an application to go to Grand Canyon University with a Christian college. I'm like, I'm not going to a Christian college. I'm not care about Christianity. I mean, I was a creaster. You know what a creaster is? What's a creaster? What's a creaster? 
Christmas and Easter, exactly. I went to church Christmas and Easter. That's what I did. And so I was like, I'm not going to Christian school. So I filled the application out, got my free shirt, free book, whatever. Packed my stuff, come back home, get a job working at Lucent Technology doing security, making pretty good money. You know, I'm 19 now. Um, I was like, you know, maybe I need to sit here and, um, and make things right with my, uh, you know, daughter's mother and do those type of things. And I tried, and it wasn't going anywhere. And, I mean, I was just like, whatever. I'm just going to, you know, get back to the old routine. I just make money, have nice things, and I'll be able to show everybody. It was, I had an attitude like I want to prove everybody wrong. Like I want to be opposite of the statistic. The statistic says that if you have a child before a certain age, you're not going to finish college. You're not going to mount anything. You're going to work minimum wage jobs. You're going to be just the bottom of society. And I was not going to do that. I was like, no. I didn't come from that background, and I'm not going to do it. So everything I did was try to be, escape the mistake I made. You follow? It's like, it's like having a DUI. Like I, you guys don't understand that, but when you have a DUI, it follows you. It's on your record. You can't get some driving job. So people try to make, they make this one mistake, and they want to correct it. So I, I had this blemish, this black mark on my record, and I want to get away. And nothing did that. Nothing, nothing allowed me to do that because it didn't matter when my friends came around. It didn't matter if I had money. I still had a child every weekend. Okay? It's a consequence. So I'm at work one night. This is a true story. I'm telling you, it's going to get good. I mean, I work one night, and I, I, I don't know how to explain it because I, I, it sounds like I heard somebody talking to me, but I know it wasn't audible, okay? But it was like just inside your mind, you know, you get that thought, like you're just like, where'd that thought come from? And it was a Bible scripture, the passage, and it says, why do you persecute my church? That was what came to my mind. I'm like, what in the, what is this? And I was just like... And in, in, in my mind again, I was like, why do you persecute my, persecute my church? And I was like, I felt that it was God. And I was like, Lord, what are you talking about? He's like, you are searching for everything in vain. Why don't you try me, right? So, of course, I'm thinking I'm delusional. So I go home, I grab my Bible out, and I'm looking for persecute. I'm like, oh, okay, it is in the Bible, right? So I go to, I go to Acts, and it happens to be Paul's conversion, Saul's conversion. I didn't know this. You know, I went to Christian school, but I never really studied that in depth. And I started reading the account how Paul was persecuting the church and how he had a black mark on his life as well, that he killed Christians. You know, in Acts chapter 7, it says that Stephen was a man of God, was filled with God, and came, and the Jews who crucified Christ brought Stephen to them. And he gave a testimony all the way back from Moses to Jesus saying that you are the ones that crucified him. And they stoned him, and they said that they threw his robes at the feet of Saul right? Chapter 8, Saul is walking to Damascus with letters in hand to persecute the church because basically the Pharisees had, and Sadducees had given them orders to go and take every Christian. So they would go to the home, knock, 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 pull the Christians out and take them out to be a mock trial, denounce your faith, or die, right? So this was what Paul is on his way to do. And on that way, he meets Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my church? And he fell down to his knees and said, Lord, and he says, I am Jesus, the one you persecute, get up and go. And the rest is history. He writes three-fourths of the Bible, you know, whatever. So I read this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. This man had a blemish, right? In chapter 9, it says that he went to the people and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm repenting. They're like, no, you're not. You're coming to kill me. I'm not stupid. You're going to take me out there and kill me. He's like, no, no, I saw Jesus. And they'd be like, yeah, he really did. And I was like, this man had a blemish. He had something he could never get away with. And, he, and if you read his later books, he says, I was the chief sinner, right? 
He always says this. I, I, I was the least of the apostles because he literally killed God's people before God called him. And I was like, man, I, I can dig this. Like, maybe God's trying to get a hold of my life. Maybe God is trying to, to, to do something different with me. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, I know I've said this prayer before, but I never really meant it. And I said, I think I know now, like, I, I'm nothing without you. Like, I've messed my life up. You know, I don't know where I'm going, but I want to yield myself. And if you will take this brokenness, this broken person, and make a man out of this young boy, I will give my life to service to you, right? Yeah. So be careful what you pray for, right? But from that day on, that changed my life when I was 19 years old. I ended up staying there for a few few months going through that course hyper spiritual transformation where I threw away all my Tupac, all my Biggie, all my Method Man, you know, you know, all that stuff had to go. It was like, oh man, I had to throw away hundreds of dollars of CDs. You know, you some of you can know what I'm talking about. You still got them on your iPod. See, y'all don't have CDs anymore. You got you have to throw your whole iPod away. But see, that's just don't just erase it, okay? But for me, you know, it was like, ah, oh, I felt because I felt convicted because I started reading about what you take in, right? Now, I, I, let me pause the tape. Pause the tape. This whatever. Let me pause you. Music has so much to do with perception, okay? To the to the pure, all things appear to the to the un. To defile all things to defile. If you guys listen to things that are aren't all Christian, it's not. That's not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that 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 is not the right right or wrong thing to do. You have to be, use discretion because your mind and your eyes and your ears are a gate. So if you're listening to something talking bad about women, you have to think about that. I'm supposed to be a Christian who's now renewed. So why would I want to condone and pay money for that? You have to think about this. You're taking your money and you're supporting a mindset that keeps people and sends people to hell. That's all. If you want to listen to it, that's fine. But just remember this next time. The next time you buy, support, download, pirate. If you're pirating, you're ripping off, you're stealing. But anyway, that, I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm serious. I'm being for real. I'm putting seeds for thought because everybody has to arrive at their own conclusions. But you're taking whatever you have, your time, your money, your energy, and you're supporting something that's even if they're not doing it. I mean, come on now. I mean, some of these rappers are, have master's degrees, but they're masquerading because it's a show. You know what I'm saying? Like little John's parents, they're, 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 they're teachers. They're teachers. Both of his parents are professors. Okay? He can speak. That's a front. It's, a, it's an act. You know? Like some of these guys that, that you guys look at, they, they're educated people. And they know that this is the way they can make money, by portraying an image. And unfortunately, the people who mimic those are the ones that go to jail that have broken lives. Okay? But that's a side note. So I did that. I took that all away. And I started speaking at things like this at my school, telling man, you know, because a lot of guys knew me before. Like, you know, I was just two years after, so of course you know if I was a, a junior that was freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, now that knew me, I'm like, look, there's been a radical change. You knew me before when I went to school here. But I am seriously different. Like, Jesus Christ has done a work in my life, and I started feeling like I was called to do this permanently. So, I go home, and I'm starting to think, like, man, this is crazy. I apply to go to Grand Canyon University. Isn't that crazy? It was the application was still on my stuff. Filled it out. I got accepted with no ACT. Got accepted on the last, like the last minute. Finance wasn't even there and everything was there. It was a total God thing. Got sent back out to Arizona where I spent 10 years learning ministry. So basically I went to Grand Canyon and I met 
a daughter of a pastor there who took me under his wings and mentored me and grew me up as an uh, individual and a man. I met my wife, um, been married for be nine years in 25 days. <laughs> so that's been, um, that's been good. And, and it's, been, it's been a ride, you know. It's almost a loss for words because I look at so many of you guys' faces and I was sitting there right there, you know. I was the I was the too cool kid. Like I told you before, I was the guy who didn't sing no worship songs. And look at me leading worship. I mean, let me just give you a side note. Come on now. I'm I went I'm ethnic, okay? You guys can tell that I'm a black male. I didn't see too many black males playing acoustic guitar when I grew up, alright? Let's just think about that. Like, I saw people doing R&B and rap, and it was, n- no. I would have gotten beat down by my friends for playing the guitar, okay? That was, not, that was not what I was. So, I went to Grand Canyon, and, and I saw this guy playing the guitar, leading people in worship, the same thing I'm doing. I was like, wow, I've never heard this kind of music before. I didn't even know this existed. I, I, I grew up hearing gospel music and hymns, and I didn't really like either one. I really didn't like some of the gospel music because it was a little repetitive. I didn't like some of the hymns because it was so old and so... Not, nothing wrong with hymns, okay? you got to edit this tape. But I'm just saying, there's nothing wrong with hymns. I'm just saying that sometimes they were slow, right? Just no organ, just... The mighty fortress is our God. Okay? You went to sleep, all right? So it's okay. But I, but I heard this music like, wow, this is me. And so I found my niche. So what I'm trying to say is that some of you guys out there are future praise team worship leaders. Some of you guys are music directors. Some of you guys will write music. Don't be afraid. Don't let somebody stifle, stifle you you know, uh, from what you can do. Because trying to live up to somebody's expectations, like I said, I don't have those friends anymore. Do you guys get me? The people who I was concerned about 12 years ago, 15 years ago, are no longer in my life at all, okay? They're not, they're not dead. They, some of them still live here. Some of them are still doing the same thing they were doing. I left here for 10 years, came back, and the people doing the same thing. God progresses, okay? Is this making sense to you guys? You guys need to find mentors. What's the age group? How old are you? So the oldest person here that's in this is probably like 18, right? Seniors just graduating, right? 18. Okay, and the youngest purpose is what, 14? 12? Anybody who's 12? You guys got to find mentors. Raise your hand who's 12. Keep putting my high, please. All right, leave those up. Who's 18? Look look to those people. They have six years on you. They're, yeah, they're sitting here at the same group. They have six years on you. Put your hands down. The problem with our society today, see, I'm going to switch to outreach now. Okay? The problem with our society today is a generational gap. Okay, I talked to Brian. You guys know Brian. We go out to lunch a lot, and we have these, these, these passionate conversations because he, he likes my heart. Because my heart is this. I'm 30. The typical 30-year-old is not going to be down here, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, Because the 30-year-old has kids my age. They're, they're planning for, for uh, sending a college fund. They're trying to have a promotion. They're working life. Okay? This, these are good things. They're going to church. 
they're paying their bills, but they're working hard, okay? But what they fail to realize is that that person that's ahead of them, the guy that was like 50, they gave back. And our generation, my generation, has become so worked up on making sure that we're providing for our family, our, our kids, that we're, we're introverted, we're, we're self-serving, okay? And we need to be out here. You guys that are older, as senior classmen, you guys need to be, I know you're thinking about where you're going to college, if you're going to go to the military, if, you, if you're thinking about, am I going to be married early or late, do I want to see the world, but don't forget about what's in your backyard. Don't forget about these underclassmen right here, because the youth pastor can't always talk to them. The, the, the mom and dad and teacher can't always talk to them because it's that age gap. But you guys are right there. You know, if I would have had somebody who was 18, 19 years old telling me some things when I was that age, I would have listened. Because you guys are the cool ones. They're not going to admit it. But we, we, we all wanted to be upperclassmen when we were younger. You know what I'm talking about. If you guys are 12, what grade is that? Sixth grade? You know how the third graders look at you. You remember when you were in third grade and you looked at sixth graders like, man, I can't wait to get lockers and change class. You know, you're right. You know what I'm talking about? I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. No more recess. I get P.E., son. Get P.E. You know, like you remember how that was, you know, and you guys, you guys that are now juniors and seniors, you know how the freedom, how you're starting to wrap up and how now you can leave school sometimes. You can go, you can drive, you can go to work and change schedules around. These people, these kids are looking up to you. They're looking at you and they're not, and you, you guys need to give back. So if you guys can start giving back earlier then you guys will be able to, to impact your, yourself so much better. And then this is, goes with the Great Commission. It says, go therefore, teaching all men to observe what I have commanded them, right? And we always think about go as go away. But what it's really talking about in that context is as you are going about your daily lives, talk and give. You hear me? Jesus is saying as you live your very lives, going to work, going to school, going to play sports, teach men, take the opportunity. So if he's, if he's saying that it's not about the mission field, I heard that you guys have people going to Africa, and where's the other place at? Honduras, that is awesome. They are definitely going. But everybody can't do that. So do you think that God, that Jesus would say to you, hey, go and only mean you need to leave the country? What if you ne Some people never leave the country. Some people never leave Joliet. That does not mean that God does not have a mission field for you to do something. And the mission field is a person next to you. You know, when I was down in Arizona, we had a slogan, each one reach one. Each one reach one. It's the same thing that Kelly was saying earlier. If each one of you guys brought somebody next week, it'd be double. If each one of you brought someone next week, it'd be triple because you're each reaching one person. We all get discouraged because we want to see all these seats filled up to next week. It's not going to happen. It isn't. It's one-on-one -on -one ministry. My life was changed because when I went to Arizona, I found a family who was willing to take me under their wing to give me good, sound Bible study and good Bible friendship and fellowship. And what I want to just tell you guys is it doesn't matter how you start. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish, okay? You hear me? God wants good finishers. He does, it doesn't matter how you start this race. You guys can start this race today. You guys can start this race a year ago. But you got to, sometimes when you're running a marathon, you have to walk. Sometimes you have to take a breather. Sometimes you pull up and you're hurt. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have to run the race. 
And God has a race for each one of you. It's going to look different than, than how it looks for me. It's going to be different from how it is to the person next to you. But you've got to run that race. Paul says that only those who compete in the race, only those who are willing to get up, to lace up the shoes, and to join the race will receive the crown. What I want you guys to do is to take home from this tonight is that I want each one of you to at least lace up the shoes. I want each one of you to go find your running shoes. Go find the pair that fit your feet. And only Jesus can tell you this. Only God can tell you this. And the only way God's going to tell you what shoes and what laces and what race he wants you to run is by you having an individual personal relationship with him. I can't do it. Your parents can't do it. Your church can't do it. It has to be something you do. You guys can keep coming to stuff like this all the time. You can hear bad speakers like me or great ones can come and talk to you. It does not matter. You have to choose your own race. So go home tonight and ask yourself, is what Brandon said true, God? Do you have a race for me? And he's going to answer you, and it's going to be yes, because I know the God that we serve. But when he asks you, ask yourself a second question. Am I willing, God, to lace up those shoes and run the race you have for my life? Am I willing to stand in the face of peer pressure? Am I willing to deny what I want today for what I know you have for me tomorrow? Am I willing to do that? And if you guys are, you guys will impact your generation. Christianity is always only one generation for being extinct. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I found Christ. My children now are going to grow up, as you see here, hearing the gospel all the time. When they get to be my age, they can choose to take it or leave it. And so for the Westmoreland lineage, it's always one generation at a time. It's the same with all of you. You all, right now, sitting here, can change the course of your family's lineage and history by the choices and decisions you make. Do you hear what I'm saying? You hear how powerful that is? You're not hearing these type of things. But each one of you can change the course of your family's history by the things you do. I mean, we, we, remember, we remember Dr. Martin Luther King and, and the Kennedys and Ford, you know? Ray Kroc with, Burger, with McDonald's. We, we know these names because one person decided to do what they were called to do, and they made a lasting imprint. And each one of you have that opportunity. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for the Christian Youth Center. Because without, without the youth, Lord, we're, we're, this nation is only as good as our youth. Lord, our, our churches are only good as this youth, Lord. I mean, these are the future doctors, lawyers, teachers, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers here right now, Lord. And you have so much for them, Lord. And, and we never have enough time to talk. But Lord, I just pray that when they go home this evening, the rest of this week, that they would take a good look at, at what you have for their life. Take a look at their next steps this next year of life, Lord, this next school year. And let, as this next August comes and people get ready to go to school, go off to college, let this be a renewing of their commitments to you, Lord. Let them lace up and get in the game. Some of them have been in the game and continue to let them fight. Some of them need to get off the bench and get in the game, Lord, but show them where they need to serve and where they can commit their lives to you, Lord. I just pray if there's anyone here that has not had a personal relationship with you, that you would put it hard on their heart, that you'd send someone that can speak to them, they can talk to, that can mentor them, and they can lead them down this journey to get to know you better. Lord, we thank you, and we bless the CYC, and we bless what you're doing here and your people. And just then we pray. Amen.